Um, so let's record, and we're on. Okay, so we are holding in Shmuel Base, and we're in middle of Perek Zion. We're by, in Perek Zion, Pasuk Yud Ches, chapter 7, Pasuk 18. Um, and basically, we've been learning about um, David HaMelech becoming the accepted Melech of Klal Yisrael. Um, we talked about this in the past, that already in Shmuel Aleph, way back really, uh, David HaMelech was already anointed by Shmuel HaNavi to become a Melech. But he wasn't Melech yet. I mean, first of all, Shaul was alive. As long as Shaul was alive, David never assumed Malchus, never became the Melech. Um, and so after Shaul passes away or is killed, really, in battle, at the very end, the last parak of Shmuel Aleph, so Shmuel Beis begins where really David hears of Shaul's passing, and David then is going to move to Eretz Yisrael, initially to Hebron. And in Hebron, he's going to be accepted as the Melech over the people of his Shevet, Shevet Yehuda. Um, whereas Shoal's son, for a short period of time, is going to still be Melech over the other Shvatim. But that finished in the last couple of chapters, and now David Melech has become the accepted Melech over all of the Shvatim, over all of Klal Yisrael. Um, so for the initial seven, David became king at the age 30, and for about seven years he was in Hebron. And for those seven years, he was the king over his tribe. But it's at this point that already the other king is, is already killed. And, and now David is the only Melech, and all of Klal Yisrael accepts him. And it's at this, at this point that he moves to Yerushalayim. And as we pointed out, amazingly, something that perhaps many people don't realize, is that throughout all these um, hundreds of years already that the Jews are in Eretz Yisrael, after the conquest of Yeshua, they never came to Yerushalayim yet. They never conquered Yerushalayim. And it's only at this point, seven years into David's Melucha, that David conquers Yerushalayim from, it was called the city of the Yevusi. The nation that was there was the Yevusim. And it's at this point that David conquers Yerushalayim. And he builds for himself a city, the Ir David, the city of David, which I think I mentioned last week. Today, if you go to Yerushalayim, if you're able to get into Israel, um, one of the great sites is Ir David and the excavations at Ir David, because this is the first... Before even the first base Hamikdash, this is this precedes the first base Hamikdash. The first time that Yerushalayim was a center for Judaism for Klal Yisrael was when David HaMelech built his palace there, the Ir David. Okay, so that happened, and then after that we had when David brings the Aron, because the Aron for twenty years has been just in someone's backyard, basically. After it was taken from the Mishkan and it was taken by the Plishtim, and then it was just by the home of this Yid. And at this point, David brings the Aron up and he puts it in Ir David. He makes a special tent for the Arin Hashem, the Arin that has the Luchas in it, and, and is the, the holiest article that we have, is the Arin with the Luchas in it. And it's at this point that David now wants to build a Beis HaMikdash. And that's what we had in the first part of this Perak, Perak Zion, where David goes to the Navi of the time, and the Navi of the time is Nasan HaNavi. And David tells him, he says, I'm sitting in a home of, of cedar wood, a, you know, a palace, and the Aryan of Hashem is just sitting in a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a tent. I want to build a home for Hashem. And this is, again, to us, Beis HaMikdash is sort of part of parcel of Yiddishkeit, but this is before there ever was a Beis HaMikdash. So David is the one who comes up with the idea. And there was a Mishkan, but the Mishkan was always a temporary type of place, a transient type of place. And David wants to build a home for Hashem, and he t asks the, uh, the Navi, Nasan HaNavi, for permission. And Nasan says, it's a great idea. He says, Hashem is with you. Whatever you want to do, do it. But that night, Nasan has a nevuah. And then a nevuah, which is what we read last week, Hashem tells Nasan, in, in short words, he says that, um, 
that, that I'm going to have a, a home, but it's not going to be David. It's not going to be David and Melech's going to build his home. Rather, it's going to be the children that come forth from him. And it's at that point that Hashem really p- promises that Melucha, the kingdom, is going to remain in David's family forever. And the truth is, all of the Melachim that come after David are all called Malchei Beis David. Even Mashiach is called Mashiach Ben David. So, so Malchus really becomes David's thing. David becomes David Malach Yisrael, as we say famously, Chai um, Vikayim, that his Melucha is forever. So and it's really at this point, it was in this Nevuah that Hashem tells Nasan Hanavi, this um, concept that, that he's not going to build a base of Mikdash, is going to be his descendants, but those descendants are going to remain in his home forever. Um, beautiful words, even going back to Pasuk Tezayin, if, if those of you who have a Navi open in front of you, he says, that this Malchus is going to be forever. The throne of the, of the, of the, of the Malchus of David is going to be um, forever. And this is what Hashem tells Nasan, and Nasan passes it on to David. And that's where we're holding Pasik Yudches. So in Pasik Yudches, David now responds to that. And uh, one of you asked at the end of the last class, like, so how's David going to take this, you know, this piece of information that he can't build a Besamikdash? And David, and from here until the end of the chapter, is just, just a beautiful, beautiful tefillah of David HaMelech. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it, but we'll go through a little bit. It says, Vayave HaMelech David, the, the king David comes, Vayeshev Lefnei Hashem, he sits before Hashem. Just parenthetically to mention from here, a very interesting halacha is learned in the Gemara, and that is that in the Besamikdash, the only person who was allowed to sit in the Beis HaMikdash, was the king from Beis David. Nobody else allowed to sit in the Beis HaMikdash. You have to stand. And even in the time when there were two kings amongst the Jewish people, which we're going to get to hopefully in Navi, because there was the kings from David's family, and then there was the ten tribes, and there was many times two Malachim, but the only Malach that's allowed to ever sit in the Beis HaMikdash is a Malach from Beis David, and that's derived from this verse that is only David. David Okay, that's just on the side. But David starts by saying, Who am I? Who is my family? That you brought me to this place. And he says, and, and all of this, that you made me a king, is small, because now you, you promised me for the future, that I'm going to have, that kingdom will remain in my family. He says, Is this, is man worthy of such a thing that Hashem should promise him for, for him and for his children, for his descendants, kingdoms, um, he says, how could I talk before Hashem? Hashem knows my smallness. And you did this out of your love for me. And you're giving me all this greatness. And, and he talks about, in kamocha, in pasich of beis, in kamocha, there's no one like you. In elokim there's no God but you. Kechel everything we've heard. And then he says another uh, pasik that became a, a famous, beautiful pasik. He says, Yisrael. Who is like your nation, Klal Yisrael? Goy echad ba'aretz, one nation in the world that you chose this nation from all the other nations and you took us out of Mitzrayim. Um, uh, anyone who, who's had a bar mitzvah boy in their house at any point in time and um, it was, uh, had the tremendous zuchus of hearing the, the child Chazer his mimer a couple hundred times before the bar mitzvah, so might remember a, a quote from the Zohar, that the Zohar says that just like we were tefillin, Hashem was tefillin. And in our tefillin it says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echod. That Hashem is one. What does it say in Hashem's tefillin? So the Zohar says this pasuk: Mi ka'amcha Yisrael goy echad ba'aretz. 
who is like your nation, Klal Yisrael, one nation in the world. So our tefillin talks about the oneness of Hashem, and Hashem's spiritual tefillin talks about the oneness of the nation of Klal Yisrael. But that is from this tefillah of David HaMelech, where David talks about the, the special, the amazing relationship of Hashem and Klal Yisrael, and he talks about how much we're recipients of Hashem's tremendous bracha. Um, so he says Hashem took us from Mitzrayim, and Hashem made us his nation forever. And now Hashem gave me and my family the kingdom over this nation. And therefore he says, basically finishes with a tremendous tefillah for himself and for his children, for his descendants, that Hashem should, should be with them. Um, he says, be, because you told me this through your, through, your, through your Navi, so therefore I found it in my heart to daven this tefillah, that Hashem, your words should, should stand and we should see your words. Um, and, and, and bless me, the home of your servant, to be forever before you, as you said, and from your bracha, all of us should be benched forever. And that's how he finishes, and that's the end of Perek Zayin, and that is the tefillah, bakasha, bracha of David HaMelech, where he responds to that beautiful nevuah that he received from Nasan Hanavi, um, promising him malchus forever. So again, so although, on the one hand, David's... Uh, actual request to build a base Amikdash is being postponed, but the promise is that it's going to be and it's going to be through his descendants, and the additional promise is that those descendants will go on forever. That is the end of Pasuk, uh, of Perek Zayin. Okay, which brings Can us... Can I just ask one quick, quick question? Sure. So at the beginning you said there are ten shirin, ten songs, and the song of David, and that's this particular no. one right here? No, 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 no. no. The song of David is something we'll get to later. This is not considered the song of David. This is more of a tefillah. A song, typi- oh, okay. a, a song typically would um, is is sung uh, in response or as after a certain Yeshua or a certain salvation. This is more of a tefillah. When David heard oh, this okay. promise of Malucha, he's davening for himself and for a kingdom that's coming for him. And meanwhile, thanking Hashem for it and talking about his smallness and his appreciation, but it's not seen as one of the shiras. Okay, because last time you said he was so overwhelmed with gratitude that he sang a song to Hashem, but it's not a song, the official song, it's a tefillah. Correct, okay. correct, correct. Thank you for but that. That's fine. We will get to the tefillah, to the shira of David as well, but that's later. Okay? Perichas. Okay. Um, Perichas goes on to continue with the wars that David, that David really wages, the battles that he wages. Um, you'll remember that although the Jews are in Eretz Yisrael for hundreds of years already, they never fully conquered Eretz Yisrael. And that was actually a critique against them. We, we spoke, as we were learning, especially through Shoftim, and we saw that they were going up and down and up and down and idolatrous and back to, to Yiddishkeit. That was because they left all the, the idol worshippers amongst them, and they kept on falling to them. And David is the first and only one that actually finished. He really finished the job of, 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 um, of redeeming or conquering Eretz Yisrael from all these nations. So, so this parak goes really to discuss, I'm not going to get into the details of the battles, but it talks about a war with Moab, where he was very successful really against Moab. Now, interestingly, David's wars against Moab are already prophesied in the Nevuas of Bilam. Because when Bilam, and this is in Chumash, of course, in Parshas Balak, when Bilam talks about Mashiach, and I think I mentioned this last week, Bilam talks about the two Mashiachs, which is David HaMelech and the ultimate Mashiach whom we're waiting for. So amongst the Nevuas of Bilam, he says, um, uh, he says, Darach kochav mi Yaakov, come shevet mi Yisrael, like a star will come forth from Yaakov and a staff from Yisrael. Umachatz pas se moyov. He'll destroy moyov 
and then he will become the ruler over all of mankind. So as Rambam says, the destruction of Moyav, he's referring to, to David HaMelech. David HaMelech is the one who's going to conquer Moyav. Now, the Gemara tells us something else interesting. Why is it that David specifically has that ability to conquer and, and to, uh, to really vanquish Moab? Because David comes from Moab. Because David, of course, his great-grandmother is Rus 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 HaMoavir. Rus comes from Moab. Um, and the Gemara says a, a concept that's actually the Altair talks about in Tanya as well, that the ultimate, to, 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 to ultimately be successful against something, is when you're able to use it against itself. And the, uh, the mushal that the Zohar brings, that the Altarebbe brings in Tanya, is that the, an axe that's meant, that you use to chop down trees, is made primarily of wood. Because wood is used to chop down trees. So therefore, the one who's able to really overcome Moab is the one who comes from Moab. It says similarly that the uh, Navi that talked about the downfall of Rome more than any other Navi was Ovadia. Because Ovadia came from the Romans. He was a gear from the from Edom, and that's the general concept that when you, you use something against that thing itself. So anyway, so that's w- one of the first battles that David fights over here, and that's in Pasuk Beis and Gimel and Dalid. Um, and then it talks about other nations, uh, but Aram. There was a, a nation of Aram, and they came. Why did he fight with Moab? Were they in the property? He was. They were had land that they wanted to capture. Yeah, in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Canaan. These people of Moab, they were idolatrous and they were in Eretz Canaan. And the mitzvah was that Eretz Canaan should become for Eretz Yisrael and should be for Klal Yisrael and not for idolatrous people. Unless, of course, they wanted to accept Shev and Mrs. B'nai Noach. Again, every, and we talked about this in the past, I don't want to go through all the details of the battles, but there was no battle that was fought without giving that nation um, the ability to either leave Eretz Yisrael or to accept Shev and Mrs. B'nai Noach and accept to be under the sovereignty of Klal Yisrael. Um, any nation, whether it was the seven nations or, or any nation that was that way. So Moab is one of those nations. Uh, the Pasuk goes on and says the same as with, uh, there was Hadadezer, which is a king of Tsova. And again, they had a battle with David. Um, and basically the, the Pasuk just tells us that battle after battle, David was successful in, in really conquering the entire Eretz Yisrael for Klal Yisrael. Um, uh, Pasuk Tess talks about another king. We don't know the na- the, who these people are or these nations. Pasuk Tess talks about a person named To'i. And he was the king of Hamas. And uh, he heard that David is being so successful. So he sent his son Yoram to David. And he wanted to make a peace treaty with them. Which David, which David accepted happily. And again, peace treaties David accepted uh, happily. He did not fight anyone who, didn't, uh, who was willing to make peace with him. And, the, and, and this toe, he gave David gold and silver and, and copper and all that David took for Hashem. He says, for the Beis HaMikdash. Although David never built the Beis HaMikdash, he was, conquering, he was constantly setting aside monies and, and materials for the Beis HaMikdash. Says the Pasuk says, Pasuk Yiralef, that all, that he, all the spoils that he received, David was makdish, he sanctified them for Hashem to be used in the proper time. Um, whether it was from Aram and Moab, Mude Amon, Plishtim, Amalek, all of that, all, all of those um, battles that he fought from all those nations, um, he took and he made everything hectish for ultimately the Beis Hamikdash. That was his goal to ultimately get there. Pasigud Gimel, Vayas David Shame. David made a great name um, when he came back from one of his great battles. And the Pasuk doesn't say what great name is he talking about. Vayas David Shem. So 
Rashi says that he made a big Kiddush Hashem, and that is that he fought great battles and there was many, many dead of the enemy soldiers, and he had them all buried. And that was something that made a big name in that day, even though he was fighting with them in battle, he wanted to honor them and had them all buried. That's what Rashi says. Other Mepharshim say... I'm his, sorry? His soldiers or the, no, the, no, no, no. The conquered soldiers. The, sol- the enemy soldiers. The soldiers that wow. were killed in war, it says here, 18,000 sol- sol- soldiers were, ki- were killed in that uh, battle, and David uh, had them all buried. And that made it, that gave him his name, according to Rashi. Others say other Pirushim. It's interesting to note that one of the, um, in the fourth section of Tanya is called the Igeris HaKodesh, the letters. One of those letters, I think, hey, starts with these words of this Pasuk, Vayas David Shame, that David made a name. And the Alter brings the Zohar, and we're not going to go into this at length, but it brings the Zohar that says, Vayas David Shame, that it means that David made Hashem's name on a, on a mystical level. He created Hashem's name, and the Zohar talks about that. What does it mean he made Hashem's name? And the Zohar goes to a Pasuk, a few Psukim later, which is a Pasuk Tesvav, it says, David mishpat That David was always doing mishpat judgment and tzedakah charity for all of his nation. And the Zohar says, Man ovid shma kadisha. Who is the one who, who creates Hashem's name? Is one who does tzedakah. When we do tzedakah, we're creating Hashem's name. That's a quote from the Zohar. So the Zohar says that's the meaning of these psukim in this, in this chapter, in this parak that we're learning. David was doing mishpat tzedakah judgment but tempered with tzedakah, and there by Yas David Shame, he was creating Hashem's holy name. So the Alter Rebbe spends an entire chapter of Tanya, a lengthy chapter, and not, a, not an easy one, explaining what does that mean, that through tzedakah we create Hashem's name. And just to say a, a snippet of it, just because we're learning the chapter that in Navi where it's based on, he explains that Hashem's name, is ba- the four-letter name of Hashem, the Yud, and then the Hey, and then the Vav, and then the Hey, is all about Hashem's um, bringing His Hashpa, His Bracha, into this world. And the Yud is that tiny letter that reflects Hashem's Tzimtzum, Hashem's contracting, and the Vav is br- drawing it down, and the Hey is broadening it, and that's Malchus, until it comes into this world. So basically, the whole the whole uh, sequence or the whole chain of Hashem's giving into this world is through Hashem's contracting and drawing down and giving over. What causes that? Our tzedakah in this world. When we do tzedakah, when we give to another, even if it's, if it's difficult sometimes, and even if we have to, so to speak, contract ourselves, and in order to help another person or do tzedakah to another person, our avodah down here causes Hashem to do the same and bring much more bracha into this world. Says the Zohar, and the way the Alter Rebbe explains it, that's what this um, parak of Navi is telling us. Vayas David Shem, David created the name of Hashem, bringing more and more hashpa and bracha from Hashem into this world through Vahid David Oisem Mishpat through being charitable to his nation and his people and being ultimately about tzedakah for Klal Yisrael. That's an idea from Tanya, again, based on this parak of Novi that we're learning. Very nice. But yeah, I mean, if, if you want to see it inside, it's in it's in Igeras Hakodesh, Simon Hay, but it's a, it's a lengthy one. It's a, it's lengthy and it's wow. it's, it's a very kabbalistic going into the name of Hashem. But it's it's interesting when we learn it actually in the Navi where it comes from. Okay, um, that takes us till um, like Pasuk Tezayin, and then Pasuk Tezayin just describes some of Yoav's. Um, I'm sorry, some of David's uh, generals and leaders, Yoav Ben Sriya, who we we've met already more than once, and he's still. David's primary general, even though we learned some about some falling outs that he had, 
But nevertheless, he's still the primary general, and there's Sadok and Achimelech, Vineyo ben Yehoyada. The Pasuk just describes some of the uh, top brass, if you will, in, uh, David's, in David's palace at that time. And that brings us to Perik Tess, chapter 9. Peretes. So at this point, David is pretty solidified as the uh, Melech of Eretz Yisrael, of Klal Yisrael. He has basically conquered almost all the enemies that there are at the time, in Eretz Yisrael, that is. At Peretes, David sets out on a new conquest. He's looking, is there anyone left from Shaul's family? Right? And we, we, this was mentioned in the past. Um, we know that Shaul was killed. We know that Shaul's son, Yonason, was killed um, in battle. And we know that David grieved for them. Uh, for Shaul and especially for Yonason, who was his closest, uh, you know, friend. And at this point, David asks in the beginning of Perik Tess, Vayemer David, Hachi yesh od asher nosar leves Shaul. Is there anyone left to the house of Shaul? Ve'ese imoy chesed, I want to do kindness to him, Bavur Yonason, because in honor of my friend Yonason, who perished. So, and there is one person who we, we mentioned once in passing, right? It was, I'm sorry? His wife, Michal. Okay, so, right, so Michal is there, but in addition to Michal. It is not Ish-Boshas? Right, um, Mipi-Boshas, Mipi-Boshas. Mipi-Boshas. Right, Ish-Boshas was Shaul's son, but right. Ish-Boshas has, is already gone. He's already killed. Now, right. So now we're looking for someone else, and that's Mipi-Boshas, the son of Yonason, a grandson to Shaul. And you might recall that during that war, where this young boy's father and grandfather were killed, he had a, a, a nanny, if you will, or someone who took him, ran away with him. He was a five-year-old child, and somehow he fell and was wounded and became lame. Oh, right, he was right? lame. That's me, Pibaisha. So he was, a, he was lame. But he's, he was like, he was spirited away and in hiding, I guess. I don't know, but he, nobody really knew where he was. And now David makes this a mission to search for him. So, Can you just clarify, was there some kind of um, agreement between him and Yonasan at one point that he said, I will always be good to you? Was this yeah, a oh, for sure. Yes, a covenant, a covenant, for sure. David, David and Yonasan made a bris, made a covenant amongst themselves, and David says, I will be always good to your descendants and you to mine. Yes, that was uh-huh. something for sure. So that, that was what prompted this. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Where, where was that? What, that was in Shmuel Aleph. Right? That was in Shmuel Aleph, and, because... Yonasan always befriended David even when he knew that his father Shaul wanted to kill David and therefore they met in hiding and there were times when Yonasan was there trying to make some peace and at one of those junctions they they, they, they hugged and they kissed and they promised that forever their friendship is no matter what is going to stay strong so in Pasuk Beis it says that there was a certain servant of the house of Shaul I guess he was a servant still when Shaul was Melech his name was Tziva and they found this Tziva and he, he was brought before David. And David asks him, are you Tziva? And he says, yes, I, I am your servant Tziva. And David says, he beseeches him, do you know, is there anyone alive from the house of Shaul? I want to do to him kindness of the, chesed elokim, the kindness of Hashem. And Tziva says, yes. He says, there is a son to Yonason who's lame, who's, he can't walk. And David says, where is he? And Siva says, well, he's in a certain place. He's in the house of Machir ben Amiel in a place called Lodavar. So David sends for him and he brings him. And his name is, as you said, Mipibayshes, the son of Yonas and the son of Shol. And he comes before David. It says he falls before David. He bows before David. And David says, are you Mipibayshes? And he says, yes. 
And David says, you have nothing to worry about. I guess this being Pibashas was concerned. Maybe David is, who knows what he's bringing him for. Again, David and Shaul's family, you know, there's, there's a lot of reason for contention there. So David says, do not fear. I will do to you kindness in the, in the honor of, of Yonas and your father. I'm going to give you back everything that belonged to you or to your father. And you will all, you're always welcome to eat at my table. I'm asking that you stay in my palace and you eat at my table. And, um, and I, I was in Mephibosheth, is very happy. And David calls to this Tziva, who's a servant in the house of Shaul. And he says, now you will continue being a servant to your master Mephibosheth. And he says, I want you to work his lands and you and your children, your servants, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is always going to be, he's under my care. And that's what happened. And, it, and it's a short parak. That's the entire parak. Mephibosheth stays in the palace of David. David looks out for him. And this Siva becomes his servant. I did mention last time that Mephibosheth is an interesting name. Literally means from his mouth is embarrassment. And Chazal say, the Gemara says, that he was a tremendous Torah scholar. And that when he spoke, everyone else was embarrassed, was ashamed. Everyone was quiet because he was not knowledgeable more than anyone. Even David HaMelech says many times, would ask this Mephibosheth and he would clarify him. He was this tremendous, uh, tremendous Sadiq, Tamil Chacham. So that's where that interesting name comes from. Okay, Pasa Perek Yud. It was afterward, and uh, Perek Yud again is uh, not such an exciting Perek. Again, it's more about. Um, battles of David because they didn't finish yet so it was after this that the king of the of of Ammon died now and his and the king that came after him was his son Hanun a person named Hanun now this king of Ammon David felt that he owed him a um an appreciation because when David was running from Shoal he stayed by this king this king um took him in and David always remembered that. Anyone that did something for David, David remembered. So when he died, David wanted to send, um, how do you say, Nicham uh, Avelim. Uh, he wanted to send a... Uh, condolences. Condolences, right, thank you. Condolences. And this, so, so he sent a group of emissaries to be his representatives to, um, to pay condolences to the new king of Ammon. But the Ammon people did not accept this very well. And in fact, they came to the king and they said, you know, David is sending you condolences. That's not really condolences. He's sending you spies. They want to go to battle with you. And so basically what happens is that they take these people who this uh, group of David Hamelech's emissaries who came to pay their respects, pay their condolences, and they, um, they abused them and they totally ashamed them. And the way they ashamed them was that they, they, sh- they cut their half they gave they cut half of their hair off of their head and half of their beards they shaved half their beards half their hair half of their clothing they totally shredded half their, basically they just um ridiculed them ridiculed them and shamed them and sent them back in that way um which was a very big mistake because david was incensed that that's what he did to his people and david sends yoav and his men and they go to battle with with uh, with the people of Ammon. And there was a terrible battle. And again, here again, David was totally successful in all of these battles. It's interesting. Throughout all the Prakim that we learn, until a certain point, as we'll see, David never loses a battle. There's David, David Malach Yisrael. And at this point, it's the same thing. Um, and, and again, the, the war is described in sort of detail. There was Yoav together with... Um, Yoav had a, had a brother, right? There was Yoav, his brother was Avishai. 
remember there were three brothers, right? We, we talked about that in the past because there was also Asoel, but Asoel was killed by Avner. Again, I'm not going to go through it. But at this point, there's two brothers and both are mighty warriors, Yoav and Avishai, and both of them split up and they take the two parts of the army. And basically, again, they're very, very successful in this, in this battle against Ammon. Um, and then the, Ammon reaches out to help from Aram and they send this Hadadezer. And all of them uh, ultimately flee in front of David, uh, David's, uh, David's generals, which are Yoav and Avishai. And that is really the entire Perak Yud until the end, until Perak Yudalef. Okay. <clears throat> Perak Yudalef begins uh, one of the, probably the saddest story in the David story. And that's because David's greatest downfall. And one of the most famous stories is the story of David and Bathsheba, which is we have in front of us now, and that's a very tough story, very hard story to to hand, to, to to relate to. Um, a lot of different perushim written on this story, but the story is the story, and that's Perik Yud Aleph really and Yud Beis. I don't know if we'll finish both of them tonight. We'll see, but that is the famous story of David and Bathsheba, where David sinned, um, where David sinned, and the the story is, as the pasuk starts in Yud Aleph, that it's these these battles are going on. These battles are going on in different places, and Yoav is the general, and the the they're ongoing. And it was one night in Pasig Bay that David goes out, and he's walking on the roofs. I guess that was the way, pe way people did on the rooftops of the of the uh, palace, and he sees a, a beautiful woman, and she's um, bathing herself on the rooftops. And David finds out who the woman is. Her name is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam. Wife of Uriah Hachiti. Now this Uriah Hachiti is out to battle. He's out to war. He's in the battles of David Hamelch in one of the you know, in one of the battles. And David has this woman brought before him, and they have relations. David and this woman. The woman becomes pregnant, and she sends a message to David and says, "I'm pregnant." She sends a message. I don't know when, how long later, but she sends a message. Pregnant. David, I, I'm, for, the first thing before before Mefarsh, I'm going to say the pasuk as the pasuk says it. So David has it calls for has a um, the, her husband Uriah, who's in the battlefield somewhere. David has him brought back to Jerusalem, uh, to Jerusalem. That is, he wants him to come back. He wants him to go back home, and on a pshat level, uh, read Rashi and pshat level. Why does David want the husband to come back home? Because the wife is pregnant, and he doesn't want, he wants, if the husband will be home, it's, I guess it's the very early stages of a pregnancy, so people will think the child is from the father. And that's, you know, instead of a child being born and the husband's out to war, so everyone knows the child is born somehow, you know, out of wedlock. So David has, the, has Uriah brought back to town. And he tells Uriah, he says, go to your home. He says, you're, you're absolved from being in the battle. And Uriah says, no, he says, I'm not going home. Uriah stays, says, um, Uriah stays in front of the king's palace, and he says, he's not going home. And David says, why aren't you going home? So Uriah says, he says, because my people are at war. Uh, my master Yov is at war. All the servants of, of the king are at war. And I'm going to go home, and I'm going to eat, and I'm going to drink, and I'm going to be with my wife. I'm not going home. So David, but David wants him to go. And David says, stay a day, stay two days, you know, eat something, drink something. But he doesn't. Uriah does, Uriah's, 
tough guy, he doesn't go home. And on that, so then, so David sends him back to war. So he goes back to war. And at this point, David has him go back to war. David sends a message to Yoav, put this person in war in a place where he's, well, where he's going to be killed. And many soldiers are going to be killed. Put him in the front lines. The heat of the battle. Right, put him in the heat of, basically put him in the heat of the battle. Um, David tells Yoav, put this person in front lines. And that's what he does. That's exactly what happens. Yoav puts Uriah in the front lines. Uriah is killed in war. And Yoav sends back a message, uh, messengers to David, and he says, you know, people were killed in war, and Uriah was killed in war. And he says, even, you know, even if David is upset, why, you know, um, Yoav is at the battlefield and he's sending a messenger. Go back to David and tell David that people are killed in war, Uriah is killed in war. And if David gets upset, um, tell him that, um, listen, you know, a war is a war and people get killed. And that's what happened. The, the, the Malach, Malach means a messenger, it doesn't, it doesn't mean an angel, it could mean an angel, here it means a messenger. The messenger comes back to David and he tells him this message, he says, we went to a certain city and we're fighting the city and there were people who were killed and Uriah was killed. And David tells the messenger, he says, tell your master Yoav that, you know, that's how it happens in war, people die. He says, not to be, not to be worried, that, not to, uh, to, that's what it is. Um, and the Pasuk finishes, the Parak finishes, Vatishma, the wife of Uriah, he- hears that her husband Uriah died, and she mourned her husband. After the days of mourning, David calls for her, for this Bathsheba, he takes her to his home, and she becomes a wife of David HaMelech. Vatelad Lobain, and she has a child. That child, which is David's child, is given birth to, and the parak finishes with the words, Vayera Hadavar Asher Asa David Be'ene Hashem, that Hashem was angered by this act of David Hamelach. That is the story, the way exactly the way the parak says it in Navi. And we're not finished. I'm sorry? Okay. That is that's how the that's how the parak finishes. Now, clearly this is the downfall of David, and we're gonna see in the next parak that David is going to be severely punished for this. Not only that, um, as we know, David spent the rest of his life doing tshuva for this act. Um, throughout Tehillim, which is, of course, David's is, is Miris, David is constantly talking about tshuva and about tshuva and about tshuva. And this is David's Avera. This is the Avera of David of David's lifetime. Now, it's important to know one important thing that the Gemara tells us, which is here we have a basic problem. Um, David Amalek is not allowed to marry this woman, even after her husband died. There's a basic Allah if a person does adultery, with a married woman, and then the married woman's husband dies or anything happens, you're never allowed to marry with the person that adultery was done with. And yet, David married this woman. Not only David married this woman, a later child from this woman is going to be Shlomo HaMelech. Right? Shlomo, this is going to be Shlomo HaMelech's mother. That wasn't the child born at this point, as we're going to see. But a later child. So, what's the story? Was it an act of adultery? Wasn't it an act of adultery? So, the, the Gemara tells us a very important halacha. And that is, the fact is, says the Gemara, that when a man would go out to war in the time of David HaMelech, in the time of Malchavis David, he would give a get to his wife before he went to war. Um, in fact, it's a famous Maimar Chazal, statement of Chazal, Kol David get When a man would go out to war, he would give a get to his wife. The reason for that was, very simple, because uh, when a person goes out to war, many times a person dies in war. person dies in war, you don't know where he died, who he died, when he died, and there isn't aidus, there isn't witnesses. 
so then the wife is stuck. The wife is an aguna. Um, and therefore, the minhag was that before one went to war, he would get. With the understanding, if you come back, you get remarried. No, you know, no problem. Um, that works for anyone aside from a Kohen. Kohen is a problem. Once there's a get, so for a Kohen, it wasn't done. Well, the Kohen were, uh, were typically not going out to war. But aside from a Kohen, that's what the Gemara says. Says the Gemara that once we understand that, the picture changes. In other words, it's still this is still considered the lowest point of David's life that David went, did this. But yet, we're not talking about something that is halachic adultery. Um, and therefore, David, what David did wasn't a halachic act of adultery. And ultimately, when he married this woman, there was nothing wrong halachically with that marriage. And that's why the Gemara says, Someone who says that David HaMelech sin, in the sin of adultery, that's a halachic mistake, not understanding what happened at that time. So, that's something that's not mentioned in the Tanakh, and it's something that David never used as an excuse, or never said, well, it was halakhically okay. As we'll see, as soon as the next parak, David says, Chatasi la Hashem, I sin to Hashem, and spends the rest of his life doing tshuva for it. At the same time, from a strictly halachic standpoint, this was a woman who had already received a get from her husband, and that is a very important thing to remember, the Gemara tells us about this story. Um, interestingly, and as I said, there's so many mefarshim about this, but perhaps one more idea. David says in Tehillim, Bichaneni Hashem v'naseini. Hashem, I feel so close to Hashem. Hashem, test me. Test my resolve. Test my, um, my morals, my, my, my morality and my spirituality. And the Gemara says that's a, that was a terrible mistake of David HaMelech. Every morning, we get up, and one of the first things we say in the morning is, Al tivi'eni lideni soyon. We ask Hashem, doesn't matter how strong I am or how strong I think I am, we don't look for tests. We know that we're tested, and last week we had the story of the Akedah, the story of Avram Avinu's tests. Hashem does test us, but we don't look for tests, and we don't want tests. And even when a person is seemingly very, very spiritually strong, a person is like, wow, like a tremendously a tzaddik, we still say al and we still in, in halacha we make all types of safeguards so that we shouldn't come to sin, even if one feels that they're strong and can handle it. And the Gemara says that David is severely criticized. David said to Hashem, Hashem, you know, test me. Hashem says, you know, really? Okay, you know, I'll, I'll test you. And even David Amelech couldn't handle some of the the, hard, the hardest tests that Hashem places before him. So this was, um, this was the test of David HaMelech, and David HaMelech fell at this point in, in his life. And as we'll see, this, as we'll see in the next paragraph, this is going to lead to um, some very severe oinish, uh, um, a very severe um, retribution that David is going to have to suffer later in life. The sin that he sent uh, Uriah into the battle and he died, or, was it, or that he took somebody else's wife? Both, both, or, both. Both, you know, all, 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 all together. She had a get, but it was a get that she, her husband was coming back. You know, the the idea of that get wasn't meant to end a. It was it was a get that was done um, until he, the husband comes back. Ultimately, the idea was the husband come back and get married. So the it wasn't a, it wasn't a get with the idea of, of not being not remaining married with a person. So again, from a from a technical halachic angle, there wasn't adultery. It's still she still was a wife waiting for her husband to come back from war. So that was number one. And then David ultimately sees to it that he does die in that war. 
So that makes it, that that's a double thing. Now, of course, people are going to die in war, and many of the men are going to die in war, but there was something, you know, behind the scenes over here where David was working um, in this way that definitely, as the Pasuk finished and said, Vayera Be'ene Hashem, that this was something that Hashem was very upset with, with David HaMelech. Did he have some kind of nibble that he was supposed to have Shlomo Melech with Bad Shem, right. and so, it just wasn't the right time, and that that was so, really the, yeah. they were so, so. So there's there's definitely there's definitely that the czar it's, it's, the czar says interestingly the czar says that that this woman um, Bathsheba never lived never had marital relations with her husband um, uh, what's the name Uriah. Because she had a nevuah that that wasn't supposed to be her husband. Wow. So again, from a, myst- a mystical perspective, there's a lot going on here. Wow. And Shlomo had to be David's son, and Shlomo had to come from Bathsheba. So, like so many stories in the Torah, there's the Pshat level and the Drush level until the Sod. So, and, and again, the Zara says that she was married to Uriah in name only, and the Zara learns it from the Psukim um, and the Chida, the Chida, Reb Chaim Yosef David Azulai, who has a Pirush on Tanakh called Chomas. Uh, Chumas Anach talks about that a lot, and he says, I wrote a whole book on this concept, uh, Kabbalistically, what was going on, and why it happened in this way. So there's a lot of Kabbalah behind the scenes as well, and yet the Pshat remains the Pshat, and the Gemara tells us the basic way of dealing with the Pshat of this story. Um, let's learn a little bit more. Uh, per- where are we holding here? Um, Perek Yud Beis. Perek Yud Beis, Perek uh, 12. Right? And here we have that Hashem sends Nasan the Navi to David. Right? Nasan, as we said before, Nasan is the Navi of that time. And Hashem sends Nasan to David. And Nasan gives David a parable. He asks him, I have a halachic question to ask you. Again, a pretty famous parable in, the, in, in, in Tanakh, where he says, he says, there was two people in a city. One was wealthy and one was poor. And the wealthy had many sheep and many oxen and, and flock. And the poor person didn't have anything. Only one little sheep. And he, you know, he treasured the sheep because he only had one sheep. And one day a guest came to the wealthy person. And the wealthy person didn't want to take any of his own sheep for the guest. So instead he took, he stole the sheep from the poor person and gave it to his guest. So Nasan asks David, what do you think about that wealthy person? And David became very enraged. He said, that's terrible. This person is a Ben Mavis. He's a person that should be put to death. If he has so much, why is he taking the thing from the person who doesn't have anything? And that sheep he should pay four times over. Because he did this, because he didn't have mercy on the poor man in his sheep. And here Nassim says, you are the rich man in this story. He says, you're the king and you have whatever you need and you have whatever you want and Hashem has given you so much. And here you have, you have the, the wife of Uriah and you take her. He says, Hashem gives you in Beis Yisrael, the Yehuda, and if you need more, Hashem says, I'll give you more. Why did you shame the word of Hashem? To do bad in the eyes of Hashem. Um, he says, Uriah Achiti, you had killed in the war. His wife you took for yourself. He says, and, and because you did this, he says, the sword will never leave your house. You're never going to have a peaceful life. Because you, you shamed me, Hashem. Hashem says, you shamed me, I, I made you king. And you took the wife of Uriah, Achiti, to be for your own wife. He says, I am going to bring badness on you from your own home. And as we know, and as we're going to learn, David, this life just kept on getting more difficult with his son and with the next son. Um, and he says, not only that, your wives will be taken from you, as we'll see in the, in the continuing stories. Because you did something in a hidden way. 
And I'm going to bring these punishments on you in a very revealed way. And David tells to Nassan immediately, and, and Chazal say this was a greatness of David. David never argued, he never defended himself. So many times a person falls and sins and spends the next who knows how long trying to defend that. David never defended. He says, I, I sinned to Hashem and I recognize that I sinned to Hashem. The Navi tells David, he says, I know that. And Hashem has knows um, have, has removed your sin from you. You won't be you won't die. Knows you'll you'll retain your position as king. Not like Shaul when he sinned. And if you remember, it's interesting. Shaul way back sinned as well. And when Shaul was uh, was reprimanded by Shmuel, Shaul reprimanded uh, defended himself once, twice, a third time. David says, "I sinned," and the Navi says, "You're right." And in other words, Hashem understands that, and you will not die. Um, however. However, the punishments are going to come to you. And he says, and the first thing that's going to happen is that this son is going to die. The, the son that was had, that was begat through this relationship of David and Bathsheba is going to die. And Nasan went to, back to his home and immediately that child became very sick. And David was beside himself and David was davening and David fasted. And David says he lied on the ground and davened and fasted. And everyone tried to get David, tried to bring him to get him to get up and to eat something. He didn't hear anything. He didn't listen to anything. And this went on for seven days. And after seven days, the child died. And it says David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child died. Um, and they said, what's he going to do? And, and David saw that they, were, that they were whispering amongst themselves. And David understood that the child died. And David said, did the child die? And they said he died. So it says, then David stood up and he washed himself and he changed his clothing and he went to the house of Hashem where the Aaron was and he bowed to Hashem. And then he asked for some food. And the servant said, I don't understand. While the child was alive, you didn't eat. And now that the child died, you're eating. So David said, as long as the child was alive, I was crying, I was fasting, I was hoping maybe the Xero would be averted. But now that the child died, there's no reason for me to fast anymore. Can I return the child? And um, and different. And David comforted his wife, um, Bathsheba, on the death of the child. And then they had another child, and that child was they named him Shlomo, and that's going to be David's successor. Um, and Nasan Hanavi came and he said, "This child should have another name, not just Shlomo, but Yedidya." Because he's going to be the Yedid Hashem, the one who Hashem, the ultimate friend of Hashem, the one who's actually going to build the Beis Hamikdash. So that's um, that's almost the end of the parak. We're going to stop here by pasuk Chav Vav. Um, just one last. Do we know the first name of that, that child that died. Um, Did he have a name? That's a, we is a good question. I don't, but. <laughs> So I may, maybe I mean, it's, it's, not the, it's not in the Pesukim. No, no, no. It's definitely not in the Pesukim. It's possible that there's a Mephorosh who says, I don't know. I don't know what his name was. Um, just one interesting point. This concept of that when, when David was punished, so Nassan came and told him this whole parable and said, what do you think should be done? And David was upset at the person and said that that wealthy person should be punished. And Nassan said, well, that's you. So the Balshamto says that that's the way Hashem... Um, gives punishment to to every person. Hashem gives us our own story and and we decide. It says uh, in Pirkei we say, not just Midah, but it says, 
it says in Pirkei Avos that we have to know lefnei miata asid liten din vecheshbon. It says we're going to give before Hashem din and cheshbon. Din means a judgment, and cheshbon is a reckoning. And one would think that first it should say a reckoning and then a judgment. Cheshbon and then din. Right? First you make a reckoning, then you make a judgment. And the wording of, of, of the Mishnah is that we're going to give a, a, a judgment and then a reckoning. And the Balshanto says, because the way it works by every neshama, is Hashem makes, we, we rule, we make our own judgment. Hashem tells us a story. So what would you say in this story? And we make that judgment, and then the reckoning is, well, then that's us. Ultimately, we make the, ju- the, the judgment, and then we get the reckoning, that's us. And that's what we see here played out with Nasan and David, that Hashem didn't come and tell David, this is what has to be done. He asked him, as if it's about someone else, what would you judge in such a case? And then that was, he was ultimately judging for himself. And the Baal Shem Tov says it's because every neshama is so great and so powerful that no one can really make a judgment on a neshama. The neshama has to make the judgment on themselves. And that's how Hashem has it, sets it up in that way, that we're presented with our own case. And we create that judgment and that judgment comes back to us. So that is, uh, okay, maybe it's not a, a high way to end, uh, to end this year, but that is the story of, uh, part of the story of David HaMelech. And uh, we'll continue next week. Bezra Sashem. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.